the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, here on Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stan continues our look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit, uniquely and specifically His gifts, as recorded in 1 Corinthians 12. Join us. wonder about the spiritual gifts, especially those recorded there in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 20? Well, throughout the rest of this week, we will take an in-depth look into these specific gifts. We would invite you to join us as we continue with our look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit, specifically this mini-series, The Prophet of Spiritual Gifts. Again, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we take a look at such gifts as knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, language, and interpretation of languages. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that what? There it is. See it? And what Jesus does there is he goes from the lesser analogy to the greater analogy. What if God gave you everything in the world but did not give you the Holy Spirit? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And here what Jesus does in this economy of a relationship between children and parents, he he quickly affirms that children are going to ask daddy for what they need. And a good father is going to give it to him. And if our heavenly father is good, he's going to give us the best gift. And the best gift that he's going to give us is himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. See, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have all of God. And when you have all of God, you have all that God has. Does that make sense? But here's the implied instruction that you've got to get. You've got to ask. That's the implied instruction. You've got to ask. Something has to compel you to want from God what only God can give you. Don't assume in the relationship that God is just going to force it on you. He's called you to a relationship with him. Y'all follow what I'm saying? And in the area of the gifts of the spirit, that is critical as well, because if God says he has given us all things freely in Jesus Christ, it means that he wants us to explore what that is that's given. Literally in the Greek, didome is a term that means that God gives to the one who is asking so that he can say, I have received of the Lord that which I have asked for. Second point. The text tells us in the Corinthian text that not only does the spirit do the giving, but there is a setting and establishing by God the Father. Notice what it says over in verse 18 of chapter 12. This language is strange in the King James, but now notice what it says. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the what? 
So in verse 8, the Holy Spirit is the one giving gifts. In verse 18, the Father is setting each member in the body. So quickly understand this. You don't get to choose what kind of member in the body of Christ you're going to be. When the sovereign God calls you by his grace out of the graveyard of sin and raises you from the dead and puts sinew on you and flesh on you and gives you his spirit, he takes you and places you in the body of Christ. He appoints you where he wants you to be. And this becomes a problem in our churches as well. Because a lot of us are professed saved people that are so given to narcissism that we're telling God where we want to be in the body of Christ. And if God doesn't put us where we want to be, then we want to tie the whole church up or leave. This is historic Christianity that I'm talking to you about. And it's all because we're not humble enough to know that just to be in God's kingdom is a blessing. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's what David said, and he was king. He said, anybody can be king. Let me go just open the door to let people in. See, that's called understanding that you're saved by the grace of God. But there are people often, they only join the church in order to be some kind of bigwig. And what Paul is doing is destroying that notion in that God is building a body and we're getting ready to tap into that sovereignly. And this is part of the mystery that you're going to always see people coming and going. This is part of the mystery of the kingdom of God. You're going to always see people coming and going. You're going to always see people coming and going. They came and went in Jesus' day. They came and went in the apostles' day. You're going to always see people coming and going. Don't let that distract you. The only thing you want to ask yourself is, when am I leaving? Because in two-thirds of Christ's ministry, in John chapter 6, he had to turn to the 11 and say to them, will you leave also? You're going to always find people coming and going. Because they didn't accept the fact that God is sovereign and he places them where he sees them fit. And they have not yet come to discover that they have to humble themselves and say, Lord, who am I in you? And where do I fit into your kingdom purpose? Keep me from telling you what I want to do. He sets, he appoints, he establishes in the body. Notice this last line. This is an expression of absolute rule as it pleases him. You guys see that as it pleases him. So here, if you don't know it. You will find mature believers happy in the Lord because they have come to discover their gift and they have come to discover their place in the church. And you might think that they are somehow just kind of narrow minded and and uh, naive. No, they're happy in Jesus and clear on their calling and they're able to abide in their calling and prosper in their calling and serve in their calling, especially if their calling is something as what Paul called the more uncomely parts of serving, cleaning up and sweeping, serving, cleaning up and sweeping, which are gifts that are given by the spirit of God. I hope you know that (laughs) the average person don't naturally intrinsically have the quality of serving. That's a gift from God. To actually serve is a gift. Most of us are wrapped up in people giving us something. Or we just have this kind of knee-jerk reaction where we'll see a problem and we'll say, hey, there's a problem over there. Now you know you don't have the gift of helps. You you just might well know you don't have it. Because when you have the gift, you do something. 
You don't look for other people to do it. I'm moving into the practical elements, but I really do need to get back more to the composite because what Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 really is a polemic against a false Christ that has entered into the church. He's dealing with a polemic and an apologetic, if you will. He's about to defend the truth of the gospel in terms of the holistic nature of Jesus Christ over against the false Christ that has entered into the church of Corinth. We talked about that last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, where Paul says, I have espoused you as a chaste version unto Christ, but I fear lest as Satan deceived Eve, so you should also be deceived for the, from the singularity the sole singularity of the supremacy of Jesus Christ unto another gospel. What Paul was worried about was the fact that Corinth was slipping into another gospel, embracing another Jesus, and submitting itself to another spirit, which is prevalent in our present generation too. Of what spirit are you? Do you really know Jesus Christ as Lord? Do you have the true gospel? Those are very salient questions, ladies and gentlemen. The assumption that Jesus is the same everywhere in the world is a major fallacy. There were many Jesuses in Jesus' day. And there were many Jesuses in Paul's day. But there really is only one Jesus. And if you're going to ever know him, you're going to know him in the gospel of the grace of God. That's given to us by God Almighty. And you're going to know him in a saving way. So when it says, but he had set the members in the body as it has pleased him, sub point B, set and established by God. That would be true of you and me as well. Set and established. Set also means not only that you were placed in the body, but you were placed in the body in a particular way for you to be visibly seen. Like no man takes a candle and hides it under a bushel, but takes it in what? Sets it on the table that the light of the candle might be seen all around. In other words, when God saves you, he saves you and sets you in order that you might be a witness to somebody. Are you hearing me? So point C. And then he tempers the body together by his choices. Tempers the body. Look at verse 24. I want you to see this. So we have the giving of the gifts. We have the setting of the members in the body. And then verse 24 says something critically important to what we're about to get into. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body. Do you see that term tempered? God has tempered the body together. God hath tempered the body together, together, having given more abundant honor to the parts which lack. Here's what I want you to capture in your mind. The literal Greek term there means to mix together, taking each element and mixing it together in such a way that it produces a unity. God has tempered the body together. He mixes the members. He mixes the parts so that the parts take on and exhibit a unified state. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Hear hear me now. Watch this now. So the spirit gives gifts. God sets the members in the body and then God brings the members together so that the members can function as one. That is the true body of Christ. Everything else are the people coming and going. Everything else are the people coming and going. If you'll notice, the subject in our our present consideration is God. God's the one giving the gifts. God's the one setting in the body. God's the one tempering the body together. Do y'all hear what I just stated? 
Now watch this. So you got people doing all kind of stuff in the church. But God's also doing stuff in the church. And this is what God is doing. He's calling, he's gifting, he's setting, he's appointing, he's establishing, and he's bringing together. He's compositing what we're about to talk about now. As we look at uh, point number uh, two, point number two is critically important, the guidance of the gifts given. So the giving of the gifts sovereignly by God are given, people are set, and the people are tempered together. Many implications there. But secondly, the guidance of the gifts given. It is extremely important to notice, to note that when God gives you gifts, he doesn't give you gifts and then go on about his business. When he gives you gifts, he gives himself with the gift. In other words, when you get the gift, you got a big old hand stuck on the gift that does not go anywhere called God himself. Because the gift has to be guided by God, the Holy Spirit, in order that you might apply it right and effectively for God's glory. Did you hear what I just stated? In other words, he doesn't give you gifts and leave you with the gifts if he is working to bring you into the, uh, into the fullness of its aim and expression. Two subpoints. This is easy to get at. In verse 11 of our, of our text, this is what Paul said concerning uh, the work of God. But all these worketh, that's our word, energon, energy. All these worketh, the one and self-same spirit, watch this now, dividing our, our, our separating out, our dispersing to every man severally as he will. Do you see verse 11? The operative word is working. The spirit of God is working. He's working. He's the one giving the gifts. He's the one dividing them out. He is present in the church and working. Isn't that what Jesus said he would do? Present and working. Now we look at our sub point. Why? Two, two main sub points that I want you to see in point number two. What is the spirit of God doing as he's present and working under point number two, sub point A? He's working to produce integrity in the life of his people. He's working to produce integrity in the life of his people. Now, hear me now. Our year's theme, and our year is almost up, is Proverbs 11, 3a. Does anybody remember the theme and aim of our church? The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Well, hear me now. Both in the Old and the New Testament, the believers call an upright person. The term upright really is a derivative of the Hebrew word righteousness, to stand upright. It means you have received the blessings of the gift of the Spirit of God because of the work of Christ. You were once dead. Now you're standing upright. It's a picture of being made alive in Christ, and your standing is by the grace of God in Christ. You're called an upright one. You're called a just one. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Now, the path of the upright ones or the integrity of the upright ones shall guide them. And we have learned that integrity is a person and he's called the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of God is given to every believer to guide them. Is that what Jesus said? John chapter 16, verse 13, don't go there. And when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all the truth. And I told you several months ago, truth is an event driven experience where God brings to bear the reality of who he is and what he has said in your life. Not just on a propositional Bible level, but every day. In the circumstances of your life, Christ becomes real to you. God becomes real to you. Because truth is a journey, ladies and gentlemen. It's a journey. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. 
What y'all scared of them people getting baptized over there in the country? They, didn't, they got a little water, just a little water dripping down from the, from the And they didn't swept out a hundred people from over there like the water going to hurt somebody. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. And the term integrity means two things in your text. When God is working integrity in you, two things. He's growing you up. Because the word integrity means to come to fulfillment, come to fruition, to have a destiny and to arrive at that destiny. And the goal of every believer is to be made perfect in Christ, to be made complete in Christ. Even as Colossians puts it, you and I are complete in Christ. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily and we are complete in him. So our completion is a consequence of us having been saved and being saved and ultimately one day will be totally saved. Am I making sense? So the journey of integrity is the life of the believer being led by the spirit of God. And in sub point B, that same spirit sustains Christ's witness in our life. Like if I am the light of the Lord, as he says, you are the light of the world. Literally, literally in the Greek, it means you're simply the candle. You're not the light. Christ is the light. Are you following me? But you are the candlestick in the which the light is. And the light is communicated to you by the third person. He's the fire that brings Christ into your life so that the witness of Christ through you emanates and manifests itself to others. Are y'all following me? So the same spirit that is, that is teaching you integrity, helping you to grow, helping you to mature, giving you discernment, helping you to make right choices is the same spirit by whom through those things he's bearing witness to Jesus in your life. And this is where from time to time people should be asking you about the hope of the calling that is within you. They should be asking you why you do what you do, why you make the choices you do, why you go here and why you go there, why you don't go here and why you don't go there. They should be asking you, See, when the light is shining, you don't have to say a thing. I've said this before. Don't tell people you're a Christian. Either you are or you're not. You ain't got to tell nobody you're a believer. I'm a believer, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. It don't mean nothing. That's just talk. Listen to me. You don't have to ask a candle, is it a light? <laughs> All right, I'm getting ready to go to work. And what I'm about to do now, I'm doing because I trust that you guys at Grace have enough acumen to keep up with me. Um, This has happened a lot, but I want you to take a deep breath because we're getting ready to go on a journey through these nine characteristics. And and the average person would fall off their seats, uh, proverbially speaking, not keeping up with me because in our present generation, we are so dumbed down. We don't want to be challenged intellectually or propositionally or theologically uh, or by way of exhortation and, and, and teaching. We don't want that. We want a syrupy kind of gospel that makes us feel good, gets us out in 30 minutes, but it doesn't profit our soul. I'm getting ready to press some things into you that if you get this vision, you will understand this text. You will understand these nine gifts in ways that most people don't get it. I want you to remember that we're dealing with context and then we're also dealing with a composite, a composite. What I'm about to talk to you about now is not about individual gifts. It's about one gift and that gift is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. That's what you're about to see right now in the unfolding of these nine categorical expressions of what I call the anatomy of the spirit, the anatomy of the spirit. Are you guys following me? All right. So we are going to deal first and foremost as we uh, deal with these nine categories that are given to us, starting 
in verse 8, for to one, uh, I'm going to start at verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. We talked about that last week. The Spirit of God is invisible. He cannot be seen. He cannot be detected. He cannot be perceived. Spirit lives in a whole nother dimension than you and I do. You and I are carnal, physical. We operate out of the limitations of empiricism. Would you agree? We operate out of the limitations of senses and smells and touches and tastes and all that's wonderful too. But as I said last week, the only way you know the presence of the wind is by its impact on the leaves around you. Otherwise, you can't detect the wind. The only way you know that there's electricity in this building is because the lights are on. These are manifestations of electricity. Would you agree? The only way you know that there's gravity is when you throw something up, it's coming down. The only way you can know that the spirit of God is present is by the manifestation of the spirit. And the manifestation of the spirit does one thing. Glorify Christ. Glorify Christ. So Paul having the blessed, blessed, blessed gifting of being a Hebrew and then a radical Christian that is a fulfilled Jew, he's operating out of an Old Testament paradigm of thinking when he begins to talk about these particular categories. And immediately, if you know your Bible enough, you'll be able to pick up on where I'm going as we deal with the gifts. But I'm going to press into them a little bit. The manifestation of the spirit is given to everyone for the profit of the whole body. The spirit shows up to bless everybody in the body. The spirit manifests his grace in your life and in my life, not for me, not for you and I individually, but for all of us together. Whenever any believer manifests the works of the spirit in their life, it's for me. Whenever any believer enjoys being used by the spirit of God, it doesn't matter how minute, how insignificant it is. It's not for that believer, it's for me. Whenever I manifest the fruit of the spirit or the manifestation of the spirit in my life, it's for you. It's for the mutual benefit of the body. Remember what we learned? Our gifts are given to be placed on the table so that we all come to the table and benefit from the gifts. It's never ever for the exaltation of one person. Never for the exaltation of one person. Never for the exaltation of one person. So what we're about to deal with now is a composite. The composite is a whole of nine gifts. And this composite reveals to us the person and work of Jesus Christ manifested in the body of Christ. Did that come home? Will you notice the way Paul puts the language when he starts in verse eight? For to one is given the spirit or given by the spirit, the word of wisdom. Do you see that? The word of wisdom at the top of the list of the nine categorical gifts that Paul gives. He starts off with what is called the word of wisdom. There are two words in that in that in that nomination that I want you to capture. The first is Lagos, the word. The next is Sophia, wisdom. At the top of the list, Paul starts off by giving us the supremacy of who Jesus Christ is as God's Messiah. He is God's wisdom. Jesus is God's wisdom. And then he uses the word Lagos, and I'm going to show you how he distinguishes them as we go down the list. He says, to one is given the Lagos, the word of wisdom. Now, that terminology is not New Testament terminology. It's Old Testament terminology. It's what I shared with you in the beginning of the year when we talked about giving. And I said that what God did with national Israel when he brought them out of Egypt 
The first enterprise that he engaged them in was the building of the tabernacle. And that they were to bring all their gifts. Everyone who was willing brought gifts to give for the building of the temple in the wilderness. You guys remember that? And I shared with you how in that language, God declared how he gave some men wisdom. Now, what I said is that we're looking at a composite of Jesus Christ in all of these gifts. And I've already stated that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And you know that biblically, right? So that when the word of wisdom is given to anyone, it's given for us to be, watch this now, builders. Builders. The word of wisdom is given to men and women so that they might be employed by the spirit of God. Hear me now. To build the church. The Ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Our goal here on the broadcast is that you grow in your walk and relationship with Christ, that you find yourself useful in his hands to the glory of his kingdom. Questions and comments about the broadcast can be directed to our phone number or our website or by writing to us. You can write to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Also, take advantage of past messages delivered by Pastor Jesse and guest pastors. It's free for the download. Again, grace-bible.com. If you'd rather contact us by phone, maybe you have a question or comment about the broadcast. Maybe you'd like a CD copy of today's message. Call us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you enjoy the good old-fashioned way of getting in touch with folks, the U.S. mail, our address is Way of Grace, 22768 Main Street. That's right here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. As you reach out to us for whatever reason, we would also ask you to prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially. If you have added financial resources at your discretion, we would ask you to consider joining us as we present the gospel on a daily basis here on Way of Grace. This is a listener-supported ministry, and as you link arms with us, it ensures that we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. Please consider that as you get a hold of us, and then join us again next time as our study in God's Word continues, that you might find yourself on His way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.